0: Hey family, I want to welcome you back to another episode of I'm Praying for Y'all. This week I am joined by the esteemed, accomplished podcaster, Texas native, I don't know, I would have used the word sassy, but I'm smarter than that, Uh, my friend Crystal (laughs) here. I'm going to give her the opportunity to, to introduce herself to you guys.
1: Hello, everyone. It's Crystal from Crystal Clear The Podcast, and I am with Charnell today, and we're going to chat it up.
0: <laughs> we are, we've been chatting. <laughs> yes, we
1: have. Yes, we have. Let's just say.
0: We've been talking for a smooth 45 minutes off-bike because we don't have any sense. <laughs> well, you did your little intro. Um, it was shorter than I expected it to be. I'm
1: sorry. I apologize. <laughs>
0: That's all right, because I feel like now you're about your business. We done got all the silly stuff out the way, right. and right. now you're trying to get in here. I feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, so welcome to I'm Praying for Y'all. What y'all don't know uh, is that Crystal was on the old flagship side of this. she she was, she, We recorded an episode of Purchase Not Perfect, uh, and it was an awesome one. We, I, mean, I think we did the same thing where we chatted for like two hours before we even hit record, mm-hmm. and then an hour afterward or something insane like that. Um, and it just never got released because I sat on it. Uh, and I felt bad. One, because she is awesome. And she has a lot of great things to say. But also, like, this in this show, I didn't want it to be me talking to a bunch of, you know, white dudes about <laughs> Jesus. Sometimes you got to talk to people who know about where you come right. from. And so some people grew up Pentecostal, mm-hmm. Kojic, Pentecostal Holiness, AME, you know. So, like, I want to talk to some people, you know, some Melanated folks who are like, yeah. I know what a praise dance is. Yeah. I know what a praise party is. Amen. (laughs) Uh, So that's why I brought her here, because we should be listening to black women, because they're amazing, right? And they save the world regularly without being asked to. Mm -hmm. And she's going to save you guys today. So, Crystal, (laughs) no pressure. Oh, my God. No pressure at all. Um, But we start off every episode of I'm Praying for Y'all with the Prayer Closet. Uh, and it's just where we go. If you want to say a prayer, you can, if you can share kind of what you're dealing with, what people could be praying for you about more specifically, what I could be praying for you about, because it goes on my little whiteboard in my bedroom. So this is your, this is your floor. What's on your heart. What's on your mind.
1: Okay. So, um, I don't know if I have a prayer, but I just think, but I would, I don't know if I have anything that I would say I need prayer for, but I just want everyone to be prayed for or to be praying about like getting through this you know phase of our life uh, this coronavirus quarantine transition that we all are going through whether we want to or not and just you know basically not letting it distract us too much kind of keeping our eyes on the prize because we did say in the start of the year before we knew what would come come what may even it's may now um we've gotten a lot of crap thrown of us thrown on top of us and we still need to focus on those goals because it's not over this is a roadblock this is a distraction this is something we're dealing with but don't let it be one of those things that Take you off course because it was convenient. So if I have a prayer, it's that: like, Lord, keep me focused on the goal. That's it.
0: I love it. I love it. What's actually funny is one of the things that I've always—I mean, if you grew up super churchy, then you know there are certain verses people throw out all the time, like count it all joy mm-hmm. when you face trials, mm-hmm. because you know, and things like that. But what I—I I might have mentioned it. I forget what I talk about on on podcasts because I talk to a million people about a million things. Um but one of the things I really I've been really sitting in is like Psalm twenty seven, mm-hmm. um, which is awesome. It's the one like the Lord is my light and salvation. One thing that I've requ- inquired of the Lord. But the one that everyone tends to remember is the you know I'll remain confident in this that I'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right. Mm-hmm. And so like you said like if you if you're staying focused if you believe that you know if you're one of, if you're a believer and you're listening to this and you believe that God is your light and your salvation that you have nothing to fear and that he's going to guide you and walk with you through this, then you should be confident that at the end of this, you're going to be able to experience that goodness, right? That that good plan, that yay, that amen, Yes, all that is coming at the end of it. So I've been kind of stuck in that. I was literally just reading it, like rereading it an hour ago, oh. sitting on my couch. And I was like, that's right. Mm-hmm. This is a phase. Because mm-hmm. a lot of things happened to me. Like my graduation was delayed because I bombed a class. Like all these things happened. And I'm like, man, this is throwing off my plans. Right. It's not in my time, right? It's mm-hmm. not, like, that's not the plan. It's just not it. And so if you stay focused, like, my goal is still the same. Right. The path not, might not be what I expected it to be, but mm-hmm. the goal is still the same. Right. You know, I'm pressing towards the mark. Amen. And <laughs> <laughs> um, but I I, th- I definitely think that is an on-time uh, prayer. Hope that helps somebody. But one of the things that I wanted to talk about with Crystal, because last time we talked, it just happened. I don't know. I I had notes written down. I don't even know if I sent her anything. I think I might have. But we had notes written down and we just riffed it and it was perfect. And I really should just release that at some point. Um, but we talked a little bit about growing up. Now, remind me what denomination you grew up in, Crystal.
1: Pentecostal. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right.
0: Amen. Amen. <laughs> No, it's funny because I realize sometimes you forget who you're talking to. <laughs> when you talk about Jesus, I made the joke. Oh, I don't know where I made the joke at. That's why I don't I just stop recording so many podcasts. <laughs> but, but I made the joke that, you know, when people talk about Jesus, we're all not talking about the same person. Right. When I say, hey, I'm having a conversation or a podcast based around faith. And usually people think that's Christianity. People from all levels of Christianity are gonna come and check it out, possibly. True. And so if I talk about Pentecost being Pentecostal and they're evangelical, they might have an idea of what white Pentecostalism looks like. Okay. But they don't know what black Pentecostalism looks Not is. at
1: all. Okay. <laughs> Cause ours was like a combination of many things. Okay. So many things.
0: Yes. We could start there. So talk about like what Pentecostalism, like what did that look like for you? What kind of church were you in? What was the teaching like? Was it based in service? I know the answer to this, but they might not. But <laughs> <laughs> so well, like tell me what that looked like for you. Okay,
1: so um it was Pentecostal Church of God and Jesus Christ. It was a non denominational church. Um, however, as I grew up, I realized we had a lot of Baptist missionary Baptist practices within our church because I believe the pastor was raised in that setting and so she brought it into um our our church setting and so yes I said she um I was raised in a church with a woman pastor so um I'm not shy about women in leadership women pastors at all um I believe in them I, I believe they're necessary um and yeah so that was it was a smaller church but, like, it was big when it came to love. When I was a kid, like, everybody who walked in the doors of our church, they said that time and time again, I feel the love, I feel the love, I feel the love. We loved everyone, <laughs> okay? Um, Extremely loving child. Um, You know, basically, before I even knew what I was doing, if a, if a new person came in, a guest came in, I was walking up to them, telling them God loved them. And, you know, just ministering in my own little kid way because <laughs> that's what I was taught, that's what I saw. Um, you know, I was one of those little kids that, uh, you know, my mom would tell you out of the womb. I was basically, you know, worshiping, I led songs two and three years old by myself <laughs> in front of the whole congregation. Okay. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't shy then, but I feel like once you expose that type of, uh, personality into like school, then all that joy and all that, um, happiness in that setting, kind of gets discouraged in the school setting so that's what happened to me (laughs) unfortunately but fortunately because it still shaped me to be who I am today so um yeah uh church growing up when I was a little kid I feel like I had a very different experience from when I was a uh teenager young adult so that probably should shed a lot of light on like my different emotions about church so um yeah, if you have any particular questions that I did not answer, you should insert them here.
0: <laughs> no, so one of the things I always I I think is really interesting when you think about Pentecostal because the other thing I, I always talk about you said church of God in Christ, mm-hmm. right? Cuz that's where we we kind of intersected. We grew up in church and there when you grow up in church it's hard to divorce yourself from it. Mm-hmm. It's just one of those things. And you're let's see if you're a black church kid, you are people know it when they meet you. Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can ever pretend you're not right. like, even if you like, it's just something that people will ask you. I'm sure you remember this, yeah. right? Where people, you'll be at school and people are like, you go to church, uh-huh. don't you? You'd be like, how, you know that? So it's, like it's just something in the way you talk. It's something. the way you, you Listen, move.
1: even, even after that, like even after I stopped going to the church, I would go in different places and like, like say for instance, you need something wrong with your cell phone and you went to sprint and said something wrong with my phone and th- them talking to you for five seconds. It was like, you was raising church, right? And you're just like, Oh, okay. How y'all, how do you know? Yeah. What, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> what was the telltale sign? <laughs> it's,
0: it's so funny. I, I think it's hilarious because then you said you go to school and how that's like quelled. Mm-hmm. And so I want to, I want to know, like, talk me through that. And then, cause I feel like that's going to be our conversation spur. I felt it in my Shonda. <laughs> so like you went to school. So what happened in an educational setting that kind of, put things in perspective for you or move things around. Okay.
1: So uh, two different things. So one, uh, just, just the, the happy go lucky um, joyous spirit that you got from church. And you know, that being encouraged in that setting. And then you go to school and you know, it's not the same, but like when they tell you like, say for instance, the teacher is like, okay, anybody know any songs? Anybody want to get up to sing for like show and tell or something like that. As a young kid, uh-huh. I didn't know that, you know, I should be shy or, you know, I shouldn't sing, the, you know, my little church songs in front of these children. I didn't know they were going to laugh and, you know, just pass, basically <laughs> pass out. Whatever. I didn't know this was going to happen. So I'm like, sure, I'll sing. And then you, you expect to get the um, reaction that you get at church. And instead, these kids don't know what to do with themselves. They are like doubled over in <laughs> laughter. And you're just like, but that was... A good song, you know, and I know I have a decent voice. And w- what is this reaction? And then they talking about you, and you know, you know, making fun of you, and you're just like, oh no, I I didn't want that reaction, so I might not do that again. Um, and then like the way I dressed, <laughs> so we were very long dresses, extremely long dresses. Yeah. No jewelry. Um, no nails. No, you know, accessories or any of any sort. Basic hairstyles. No right. makeup.
0: Holiness is right. It's always right.
1: And that was our look. And so everybody, every day, the same people sometimes, why are you always wearing long skirts? Why are you always wearing long skirts? Why are you always wearing long skirts? And you're just looking at them like, you know better than me why I always wear long skirts. Like, why is this always (laughs) the icebreaker for you to start a conversation with me? Like, if you want to talk to me, just start talking. Don't ask me the same questions. You know, but yeah, it was the way I dressed. And it was long skirts. Long
0: skirts always get you. Whenever I ever think of uh, growing up Kojic and I think of the barbecues that would happen at like the pastor's mm-hmm. house or the church parking lot, every woman, every deaconess, <laughs> every minister, whatever, they had them long jean skirts they would always wear with the tucked in t shirt. You know what I'm talking I do. about? I do. And them white, them white yep. tennis shoes. They be it's the same mm-hmm. outfit. Everyone looks the same. Then you look at the pastors. They got them Jesus twenty sevens on.
1: <laughs> Listen, I don't think the men in my church wore jeans. I feel like those church slacks had to, you know, be versatile, and they had to wear them. <laughs> in every setting, um,
0: I was taking a sip of water, and <laughs> I was like versatile church.
1: Yeah, they, the church pants were everywhere. They were at work. They were at church. They were at the barbecue. They were, you know, doing maintenance on the church. <laughs> <laughs> they were in front of the couch watching TV. Those church pants were everywhere. Okay, they didn't get a break. <laughs> not in this. Not in the group of people that I was raised around. So yeah. I ain't see jeans, let alone jean shorts, okay? So, <laughs> what? the girls wore the jean, oh, no. we wore the see? jean skirts, yes, but the men, I never saw jean pants on those men, ever.
0: I'm telling you, I could never, the heat, and I, like, you, man, you're in the South, so I, you wouldn't catch me. That's how I knew I wasn't that saved. <laughs> That's how you knew you were super saved, when you could sweat it out and still have an amen on your <laughs> lips. I, I could i couldn't do it like i'd be sitting in them churches man when everyone's got them fans going i'd go to the bathroom like 87 times just so i could step outside Mm -hmm. and be like i just couldn't do it but just talking about kind of growing up this way so we we've clearly become adults who are challenging to whatever the status quo is in church we'll call it Mm -hmm. that right and so let's talk a little bit about that. I feel like we could both walk through some things mm-hmm. here. So one of the things that I, like you and I <laughs> had similar experiences. We talked about the last episode where like, you were like, I didn't realize I should be shy. And I didn't realize that I should be shy mm-hmm. sometimes. Where I was like, I was in your face. I talked a lot. I argued a lot. Confrontational, combative. Like I was that kid. And I was a singer growing up. I still sing mm-hmm. now. But like I was one of those people who are like, in your face. You wanted to know which one you want. Like, what key are we in? Like, what are we doing? Like, I was one of those people. And if they, I got up there, I sang the heck out of this little lot of mine. You couldn't tell me nothing at the talent show, right? Right. And so, but it was one of those things where the city I grew up in, though, everyone knew my uncle. My uncle Ruben was, like, one of the pastors mm-hmm. in the city. So... You knew my last name. You knew that I was definitely connected to this guy, mm-hmm. and so like I couldn't run from church. Mm. I'd go to school. my My cousin Juanita was my guidance counselor. I'd go over here, and this person. Was... So it was like there was just too many places to go where church would find right. me. Right. But at the same time, like I was like, man, if I do this church thing, I'm gonna alienate the heck out of myself. And so I started just. Be outgoing in ways that weren't very Christian, right? Mm. Where I started fighting a lot and started cussing a lot and mm-hmm. watching shows like South Park on the Low just to have something to talk <laughs> you about. You were speaking
1: South Park. You
0: know, and. <laughs> i was don't put a tv in like a 10 year old's room what are you doing?
1: oh my god
0: it's nine thirty. it's wednesday night I'm, com- I'm on comedy central the Chappelle show was jumping off around oh. that time look don't get me started. listen um clearly like at some point you know we started finding some faults in what we were seeing at church um and and, and part of it is because you know the world right yeah. secular stuff starts kind of like questioning it but also black people love telling you to read and so you start paying attention to what people say. you start looking it up and verifying things or and so you start realizing like this ain't okay, right? Like what I'm walking through is, like the way people are being treated or the way that some people are being treated is not okay. So I know you have a story you have stories surrounding that, and I've got some stories, so let's talk about kind of where things started going left uh for for the two of us a little bit,
1: okay, so I'm going to say. Um, maybe I 10th grader and, um, I was, I was selected to run church service for Thanksgiving. Like we would have early service on Thanksgiving and the kids ran the service. And so I was selected to be like the acting pastor, child pastor that day. Right. And so, (laughs) uh, yeah. Yay. Um, and so like in the church setting, up until I'm gonna say this point, I probably was very outgoing. I had learned very early on to kind of be more withdrawn in the, you know, school setting or whatever, because like I, there was no separation for me. Like I was all church, if anything. Like my mom didn't let me participate in like the school program. So I didn't get the opportunity to kind of be, you know, well versed there. So I was just like one trick pony. <laughs> so I, I, if I was gonna shine, it was gonna be at church. And that was preferred. Okay. So basically, uh, it was everything was based around this service and so people like there was a lady who did hair and so i guess she had this really great idea maybe if she did my hair for that service it would get her some more customers this is what i'm telling myself today i do not know the thought behind this but she approached me uh about my hair and at the time you know it was you know where like your prom hairstyles every day just because they looked really nice so i had all these pump dudes and beehives and cascades or whatever they were called back then they were up dudes. and like she was like you're not gonna wear your hair like that <laughs> for church for uh thanksgiving right and i was like no i wasn't gonna wear my hair like this but I, I hadn't even made any solid plans and so she was like well what if god wanted you to get a roller set And I'm like, oh, well, if God wanted me to, then sure. But I'm sure God don't care about my hair. And so, no. You know, I don't do roller (laughs) sticks. I don't go in my face, you know. No. And so, because at that time, I just never wore my hair down. And so, that was that. And so, one Sunday, I'm sitting in church. And so... uh, well, fact about me, uh, my mom, when I was a baby, she prayed for me to, you know, fall asleep or something so she can hear the word. Well, she never reversed that prayer because up until adulthood, I was falling asleep doing the service until <laughs> so she can hear the word. So I did it from a baby, did it from like a young teenager, teenager, young adult. Like I was falling asleep. I feel if I go to that church right now, I'm gonna fall asleep while the preacher's preaching. So either way, <laughs> Either way, here we are. Uh, here we are in tenth grade, and the pastor in service. I wake up right up oh, automatically, and she's like, "Uh, Crystal, stand up." Now, mind you, I wasn't born inside of the church, but my mom was at church when she had to be rushed to the hospital to have me. Okay, so like literally, this church was my beginning and ending. So um, I stood up, and you know everybody in the church knows me. I know everybody in the church, and she was like, "Crystal, you didn't hear that woman say God said." I'm like, "Hear that woman say God said." I'm baffled because I'm like, "Oh God, I've been going to sleep in church every Sunday, <laughs> and this is the time I should have been listening." I have no clue. I'm gonna have to confess to falling asleep. <laughs> and then I hear this whisper in my ear, and they were like, "Uh, they told me the person's name, like Melanie," and I was like, "Oh, oh." Oh no, she didn't say God said she, I was going to say like, she said if, but I didn't say all that. I was like, no, I didn't hear God said. And so she was like, uh, she, she started talking to my mom and she was like, Barbara, we knew the baby was blind. Cause I wear glasses. Right. And I've been wearing glasses since first, grade, <laughs> first. We knew the baby was blind, but she needed a hearing aid too. And, uh god said and if you you know if you didn't and if you're not gonna make your child uh act when somebody tells you that god said do something then you the problem and she basically told my mom down talked about me and said no if anybody's offering to do your nappy head for free or whatever you don't turn them like she just talked about everything about me i couldn't see couldn't hear half nappy all this in front of the whole entire church okay so at that point It changed because if I had a choice in it, I was walking out, never opening, never going back to that church again. Wasn't going to any church ever again if it was up to me. So as soon as like church let out, I was like trying to get to my mom and like people were like standing around with their mouths open still. And like I was trying to get to my mom. And I was, like, before I could get to her, people were, like, trying to stop me because they could probably tell, like, I was about to break. And she was, and, like, they were, like, crystal, 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 like, trying to keep me from crying. And all I could say is, I don't understand. And, like, to this day, like, that's what I take away from, like, the last half of my experience at church. I don't understand, like... I don't understand how they were reading the Bible and getting these ideas and these practices and these, these judgments and the way they were treating people and how they were trying to be Christians and how it was, you know, transferring into like their actions. Like, I don't understand. And so like from that point on, like the lady did my hair, um, looked crazy. Um, I, I did the service. I did not enjoy it. I was not happy. I was really sad, um and it's just it was just like oh. I, it broke me and 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 I would tell you for a large part, even though I was like quiet in the school setting, I still had a very strong sense of who I was, you know, and like I didn't like I mm. would you know you know put on every now and again I might curse here and there, but like it was a very turn turn it off at home like it was nothing that you know, transferred over at at home. Like it's, I didn't curse all day. I might not have said too many curse words. Cause even in school, when I did curse, if I cursed every day, they act like they never heard me curse before. Oh, you, I ain't never heard you curse. You know, (laughs) that's been following me my entire life. (laughs) So it's just like, that's what happened. It was like, you know, just this idea that God was talking about my hair. You know, I know he cares, I know he knows the number of my hair, like the number of strands in my head, but I don't think he cares about the style of said strands, you know? So it's just like, it was, I just, it was weird for me, like how they were making all of this so me centered as far as like what God cared about. And I was just like, none of that matters. And if y'all wanted me to present a certain way, this was like, not the way to do it because like now I am less interested in church than I ever was, you know? So that was like my breaking point when I just kind of had to look at everything differently because I just did not understand. And like that started like my, I feel like the next probably 10 years, I was didn't understand and confused when it came to God and kind of just kind of put it, do it on the back burner because it was just so mind boggling.
0: Yeah, I, what's so disheartening Mm -hmm. about growing up Kojic is that there's so much that happens inside the building. Like, right. Mm-hmm. Like, you said something in the beginning where, like, when you walk into a, there's something about any, I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very broad. I'm going to paint with a broad brush mm-hmm. here. But when you walk into almost any black church, like, it doesn't matter what nationality you are, what you look like, people will always tell you that you felt welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, people will make you feel good. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll embrace you. They'll call you. Anytime an old black woman calls you baby, you feel like you're home. You, you know, hey baby, where you coming from? You be like, well, you know, let me get these mints and sit down somewhere, you know. <laughs> but like, you you always feel welcome, and but the I think the stick is always when you commit mm. to those those spaces. Once that honeymoon phase is yeah. over, people will remem- remind you of why you know you're there. Remember, like, holiness. I, I made the joke of it, but it's always right. So there is a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, that you're here and there's a way you need to yes. act. And, the, and when I was growing up, they would always say it had a lot to do with the fact that when you meet Jesus, when you encounter Jesus for real, there's no way you could ever be the same again, mm-hmm. right? Like, you can't just come back. You come to church for six years and be the same person. Like, it just doesn't work. And for them, they need to force you to do that, right? They need to see it. the The old folks used mm-hmm. to say, I'm sure you remember this, that you ought to show some signs, right? Of of God, that, yes. that was a thing. Like you need to show signs, and so. But if you don't start showing something, they'll they'll manufacture them for you.
1: There it is. And
0: so, even if it's like performative displays of obedience, mm-hmm. like didn't you hear her say this? I'm like, N- no, mm-hmm. but God said it, so you got to do it. You'd be like, well, well, if Jesus said it, I can't argue with it. And in right. Church churches, happens so often where mm-hmm. you they will they would be offensive and rude and spiteful and and mean Mm -hmm. and i would argue wicked (sighs) at times right and i'm i'm gonna say something then people who are coaching might hear and be upset but one of the people like i i grew up on my grandma would talk about and i didn't know who she was until i became an adult was mother kelly do you know i'm talking about i'll send you videos if you don't send
1: me videos because i'm i don't
0: she's your typical like church mother that they give the mic to and she she prophesies and she she's one of those people who kind of get you right mm. you know she's one of those and the get rights or get left type people gotcha. and you know and so watching her and my grandma was not this type of woman but she would idolize this woman she would talk about how she was telling him how it is but my grandma would never she'd tell you how it is but she would tell you how how Jesus is too like my grandma would go the whole line of like girl I know you've been in this for a long time but Jesus doesn't work like that Alpha and Omega, beginning and end, first and the mm-hmm. last, anything that happens between that is up to him. Like, she'd be so loving about mm-hmm. it. Like, but like the Mother Kellys of the Kojic world are like, you're going to die in drug addiction if you don't get up and get out. Mm-hmm. That's demonic. Like these very, like these, they, it's the, the hurtful things and, that they would do and they would do it in front of people to humiliate right. you into submission. Yes, And it's like, that is not, that's nothing like the Jesus that we talk about right. serving. Right. So where does that come from? Where in the Bible they'll pick the verses out, you know, mm-hmm. about being submissive or honoring your prophets and your teachers and things like that. But I'm like, where did Jesus do any of that stuff? <laughs> 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 like, I mean, we did. He did it to like the the Pharisees and you know the religious scholars who were trying to trip him up. But not once did he attack anyone or hurt their feelings on purpose mm-hmm. because he felt like right. it. So it's such a weird space to grow up in, mm-hmm. especially as a young person, yeah. you know, who, if that's all you know, if all you know, like you and I both, if all you know is church and church is the one thing that's hurting you, but the world isn't,
1: mm. how Listen, do you
0: reconcile that? It's
1: a, you run to where you're not being hurt. That's what you do. That's that's exactly what you do because you, you, you're given the basics like hurt doesn't hurt. Let me do what doesn't hurt or whatever. And it's that simple. It's that simple because... Um, the way the way that i was raised like once you get to this certain level like they have to you know maybe they never explained it that way i don't even know what it's called but you know there you know there's this level where they feel like you know you're not going to get in trouble at to a certain age because you're not going to be held accountable they never said that in our church okay right. as far as i was concerned you know you you were liable to go to hell at five years old <laughs> if, you, if you were caught in a lie okay yep, yep. So, burn listen, up right then. Listen, so we didn't get that excuse but i did hear other people that went that were raised. were in church say you know you're you're not held accountable until like 12 or something like that i'm like oh y'all y'all were lucky because that's not the, the church that we were i was raised in i would have gotten in trouble newborn if i sure. weren't right so uh <laughs> so uh basically it was just like as soon as i got into the position to where i'm like i don't have to participate in this and i don't want to and like that was the thing like i, I saw like all the older kids You know, leave the church. Even if it wasn't just leaving the church, they would just move away so they couldn't couldn't go to the church. Like it was an inconvenience or something like that. They would work, do anything to where that would no longer be something they were forced into doing. And like, um, my mom went through a very hard time separating the idea of me going to church and you know me being lost, right? And so we would always have these conversations about. Uh, church and what it really was and I appreciate the conversations we have because this is probably the conversations I wanted to have with like the pastors but like I wouldn't go put myself in the position to be abused because I dare ask these questions but my mom she she would listen even if she wanted me to be at the church she would still listen to my reasons as to why I don't know why anybody needs to be at the church uh so we would talk about it like mom like okay so this pastor is this Close. Um, she's close to God and she prays and God gives her words and you know God speak through her whatever. So how come when this type when this things happen or whatever, why is she always falsely accusing someone who didn't do anything? You know, someone who's innocent. Like how come she didn't know when you know my sister you know was um being approached by a man in the church or whatever that my sister wasn't lead you know lead him on or whatever you know you know you know like why didn't she know that if you know she was so close to God you know it's those type of questions like how come you conveniently turn off you know good sense or your connection to God that knows all things when it comes to things like this you know like how come and so it was just like there's too much pain centered around church and like their expectations of what I looked like and what I wore and how I acted and all of that so I was like it's just easier you know it's just easier and then I I found myself you know struggling with um why why it possibly should be hard like okay it probably shouldn't be this easy you're probably not living for God, crystal if you're doing what you want to do so maybe you do need some structures maybe you do need some standards in your life and maybe that's why it's hard or whatever, but then you find yourself struggling with that. And it's like, you, you feel like there is like some form of yourself stuck in bondage that you can't do anything about because you're going to feel guilty about everything you do. You know, whether you're going to church, whether you are not going to church, whether you go to church and you're, you know, you have a role at church, whether you go to church and you don't have any roles at church, whether you, you know, uh witness to somebody, you know, needed, whether you don't witness to so, like whatever you're doing, there's some form of guilt in some way some form some fashion. And so it was like for me, I needed to escape all forms of guilt. Cuz I didn't feel like any of that was getting me closer to God.
0: No, yeah, I think the thing that I think a lot of us get lost in as you mentioned one of it is like guilt, mm-hmm. right? Guilt is something that's easy that sometimes easily, sometimes not fixed. Like guilt means that you have done something wrong, but there's a way to rectify it and you can usually find out what that avenue is. Mm-hmm like if you if you stole twenty five dollars from me, you feel guilty about it. you can always heal those bonds by apologizing and giving me my twenty five dollars back right <laughs> right there's a there's a transactional piece of mm-hmm. guilt, but shame mm. feeling bad about not just what you're doing but what you are and who you mm-hmm. are is something that's so deeply embedded in our psyches and our persons. That it can't be just taken away by apologizing to people, and I think that's where we always end up getting lost. Mm-hmm. Is that we walk into a church and we feel bad about leaving, mm. but we don't feel bad about leaving. We're ashamed that one we left, but we're also shamed into leaving. Mm-hmm. And so we go back to those same leaders and apologize to them, and we do the we do their dances and we hang out with them and we do what they expect of us, but we still don't feel better. Right? It's because we're not. There's no transaction with other sinners. Like that's not where we're supposed to be. The way I started thinking about it is this, is that Jesus says very clearly, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm -hmm. That is what his goal is. The enemy is, he does this. That's not what I do. He says, I come that you might have life and you have it more abundantly. I remember walking into a situation and I feel like something is stealing my joy and killing my sti- uh, my spirit, or destroying my relationships, or destroying the the, the connection I feel like I have mm-hmm. with God. Then I know that's not God. Mm. Like if it's happening in a church building, these people don't know the Jesus that mm. I know. Right? Jesus says, "Come to me, all who are heavy laden and new labor, mm-hmm. and I'll give you rest." Right? And so, like, if that's the case, why am I being heavy laden in church? Mm. Why am I not finding rest there? And so like when I so I'm thinking like if it doesn't look like it what my grandma used to say, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's not a chicken. <laughs> if I walk into church, and I'm feeling all these things, Spirit of God ain't here. Or at least people aren't operating in okay. it. Okay. Right? And so it it's so it was it's so hard for church folks who who then leave because there's nothing wrong with leaving. Right? There's nothing wrong with right. stepping back and saying, Screw it. I'm a I'm gonna go find some peace somewhere I don't care and like in when you leave the church people act like you're leaving Jesus like Jesus comes with me wherever I go right and so it's one of those things where it's like I stepped out of your sphere and I remember when I did the same thing I was around like 21 22 years old um and I would go back and visit my family's church like several of them Mm because they were all spread out and they'd be like um you know because you're not going to church no more I said wait a minute just because I'm not going to your church doesn't mean I'm not going to church. Like, like you just ain't seen me. That's what you want to say, right? You know, and you're mad that I'm not paying tithes at your church anymore. Is that the issue, or like, what is? You know, so like, there's there's so many aspects of this that I just feel like it's so hard, especially in in like black denominations, it's so hard to maneuver well because one, in black homes, we have that you know, do as I say and not as I do, right? And so. Uh-huh. You, you have to you know god forbid you step out of line and question your parents because that's disrespectful right you know you call somebody out on their bs that's disrespectful now mm-hmm. trump that up to how religion and faith plays into blackness you're stuck yeah. like you can't do nothing unless you're in control right But even like you said even the people who you expected to be understanding like the pastor that you were talking to the, the woman pastor mm-hmm. would still somehow be falling into these patriarchal lines where right. she wouldn't she would still blame these girls for the lust and and honestly disgusting perversion of these old men right and it's like so where where am i safe anywhere in these in these places right Unless I create my own.
1: Right. And like, and it was always like this idea of like a certain level of holiness and in the way you govern yourself or whatever. But then you're like, well, then where is, where is that cert, that level of holiness for these men to keep them together? Because if I'm doing Say my it. part, how where's their responsibility to do their part? You know, like, so it was just so confusing. Like, it, never made sense and so like that was the question like i took to my mom and and probably why i feel like i feel today like why i don't want the expectation of perfection or the burden of you know being a certain thing like i i while i feel like i'm a christian i i don't like the way it's been de- defined in the past you know and um i don't yeah. i don't necessarily need to define it for anyone else i just i know what it is for me but I feel that way. I feel the way I feel, but I'm just like, but I don't want to feel like I have to be a certain thing. And I feel like that's what they were coaching you into in church. Mm -hmm. It's a certain thing. It's not, it's not a personal relationship, which I feel like we know today that it is, but for them, it's a, they, like you said, they want to manufacture it. They want it to look a certain way. And, and as long as that's the case, then I, I don't feel like anybody is getting, in that setting, in, in that way, they're not getting what they need. But I have a question really quick, and I, just about. Oh, yeah. So, because we are, you're like me, and we were raised in church, right? Like, our parents probably did go mm. through something where they weren't raised in church. Like, their parents may not have raised them in church. They might have actually experienced, you know, some hard times, uh, some harsh times even, that, you know, led them to church. So, when you are, when church is all you know. How then would you get the, you know, the the negative experience to uh, push you to God? If that makes sense. That question makes sense to you?
0: Yeah. So if church is all you know, how did you figure out like where God actually is right. outside of that? Yeah. So one of the things I I don't talk about my, my childhood a lot. Not since like, what about your friends way back mm-hmm. in the day? Um, but... My like I was I was blessed, I'll say that. I was blessed to kind of be in this duality in my home when I was a kid where my grandmother was super Christian mm-hmm. and my aunts were super Christian. But my mother mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie was a whole different animal, right? Gotcha. Where she was gangbanging and partying and you know, throwing it in a circle and looking back at (laughs) it, you know, she was, my mama was wild. Right. But my mom knew Jesus because her, her mother was super Chris. So she was raised in the church as well, but my mom. Rebelled. Had some experiences in her life where she stepped outside Mm -hmm. and she, she was kind of one of those people who like ran parallel to it, just never intersected again. She's kind of walked along inside everybody else. And, and so for me, the negative experience that I—I I remember the first time I—the first time I felt God in church, like in a church setting. Um, I want to say, I was singing "Silver and Gold" mm-hmm. um, by Kirk Franklin. You know the yes, song; I everyone mm-hmm. does. If you're if you're a young black kid, yeah. Your parents probably didn't like the fact you were listening to Kirk right away, but they got over. It. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh but i remember singing that song in the choir because i was a soloist i was like you said you was leading at a young age me Mm -hmm. too i was up there like doing it and uh i remember like feeling like i wasn't there anymore i remember this this feeling of like this warm like peace um that I, i believed what i was singing um and so i remember having that real feeling and then watching my aunt my aunt um uh my aunt ethel who's a usher in my grandma's church and my grandma who was a mother at her church rest in peace but she is um, but they were these two like lovely women like you would call them that if you like Ethel's still alive but you would call Kathleen and Ethel at least lovely like they were just pleasant Mm -hmm. like it was hard to like they were still like they they came from Mississippi Mm -hmm. in the 30s so they are these hardened southern women but they were like they were sweet like it was weird and so watching them love on people and not caring what you came from I saw my grandma feed homeless people drug dealers Mm -hmm. uh you know, beaten, you know, battered women, you know, hungry kid. My grandma fed anyone. She didn't ask no questions. She she loved on you. She'd give you the $5 you need to put gas in your tank to get to work. She didn't, she didn't care. Didn't ask for it back. Ethel was the same way. And my Uncle Reuben was, too, who was, like, my first pastor. So, like, watching them do, ch- do, quote, unquote, church, I was like, this is what God looks like. This is what following Jesus looks like. But, however, the negative experience mm-hmm. I felt was also in my grandma's church. And there was a guest pastor there. And I remember sitting there uh, with my grandma and eating those strawberry. Can- it's it's funny how you remember things mm-hmm. so vividly when you, when you're traumatized. And because it's, it's like, <laughs> I was like, "Jeez," um, I remember like I was unwrapping one of those ugly hard strawberry candies that looked like a strawberry. You know what I'm talking about? I
1: do, I do. Um,
0: mm-hmm, those church candies. I can't find them anywhere else but at a church. Um, and I was unwrapping the candy, and he was up there preaching, and he was like, oh, and Elder White, which is the pastor's name, he's like, don't get me started on these sissies. And I don't know what the word meant, like, in its fullness. I just knew that people called people a sissy when you were offending them and insulting Mm -hmm. them. Like, I knew it meant you were weak or not up to, you know, up to buff or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I remember him saying that, and I'm like, my head, like, jolted up. I'm like, you can't say that in the pulpit. And I, like, looked at my grandma, like, grandma, he can say that? And she was like, shh. Like shushed me, and I was like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> and he was like getting into it, and he, then he was like, the, "Then the whores come in too. Uh, you know who you are in here right now." And I was like, "Who is he talking
1: to?" <laughs> He's so looking for him. Where are you?
0: Because the other side of me is like, again, my grandma was my Christian side, but my mama was the hood booger, right? Where it's like, right. I was like, Where, who, "Who is he talking to?" Because if he said that on, on the corner of Putnam Drive, like he get beat up, mm-hmm. like you, like you, you get you catch hands. Like I was like, "What is happening here?" And so that's the first time I realized this is not, like, not maybe not everybody is like this, but something the fact that no one stopped him. Like, if that happened in my church, like, I would walk up and, like, all right, brother, give me the microphone. You go, thank you for coming. <laughs> like, you don't come in my church and insult nobody from right. my pulpit. Not my pulpit, from God's pulpit, right? Because that's not what I stand for. That's not a Jesus. That's not helpful. And so that was my first negative experience. Like, I didn't have anyone, like, say anything directly to me because I was kind of shielded because my grandmother was a mother and my Uncle Ruben. And, you know, so people would know better because if they crossed me, that means they crossed them. Right. And they had power. And so, but it was then when I was like, man, this is not okay. And then I, when, now that you, when you're cognizant of something and you're aware Mm -hmm. of it. And you, you're paying attention. You hear it often, and you hear it in Bible studies, mm-hmm. or you'll hear it in a choir rehearsal, which is the weirdest place to hear the word "sissy" in a choir rehearsal at a Kojic church, okay. because everybody in the choir got some sugar and they tanked and tambourine <laughs> playing, and everybody in their mama got a bow tie. So, like, who are you? <laughs> so it's just like it's just the weirdest places that you would find. And I was like, man. And then as I got older and I had language, and vocabulary to use to describe things and how I felt, right. I got to push back. And that's also when I noticed that you're not allowed to push back. Mm. You know, once I once I was no longer in my grandmother's church or my Uncle Ruben's church and I was in another church and I was like, that's not okay. So I was like, well, uh, last time I checked, you weren't pastor. And so those are my negative experiences that let me know, like, people are doing church but they're not being church okay and i was like that i'm like this is not god and the god i know is the one i find when i go home to my grandma or the one i you know or when i visit my aunt ethel or my uncle ruben or my aunt and that like the the god they talk about is the one i know the one these people talk about i don't know man he sounds more like a tyrant sounds more like this vindictive evil wizard in the sky right just torturing us for fun right you know it's just this weird (laughs)
1: <laughs> but do you ever like wonder like why they accepted that idea of God? Like what made that i idealistic for them? Like do you, do you ever like question like what was going on with them where oh. they wanted somebody to be punishing people, you know? Where well, that's what they were like, yes,
0: all the time. <laughs> I think there's I think there's a lot of reasons why. I think that the first reason why is that typically look at these old black denominations of Christianity, like the, i always make a comment like i go to a predominantly white evangelical church now mm-hmm. um and i tell people like black folks and white folks just have a different relationship with god okay and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with saying that because it's true we have different experiences different things brought us to god like when you look at it, like my grandma came from the 30s in mississippi like you know what jim crow was like and racism and the kk like People needed hope. They needed something that made them believe that something else came later. Gotcha. Right. There was something else after this. That I'm, again, I mentioned it like I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Something is going to shift for me. And so like that's the relationship to God. But when I listen to contemporary Christian worship music by like white artists now, there's this there's this overarching theme of god people in the world and everyone else bowing down to him which is reverent right Mm -hmm. in a way but it also paints the picture of i'm aligning myself with this omnipotent unstoppable force and so everyone's bowing down to him and i'm on the right side of it i'm on the right side of this fight right it's it feels like that it feels like power yes it doesn't feel like reverence it doesn't feel like salvation it feels like Control Mm -hmm. and social mobility, but that's not what we're talking about. The second piece (laughs) that I was going to talk about is just is that is that there are very few bastions of society or pieces of society where black people can have control, Mm -hmm. right? And black church is where black people have all the control, where they can say and do what they want. And I think it's this need to be like to have your hand on the wheel. Mm -hmm. And so there's that piece of it where it's like, we get to control what happens in here. So sometimes people get power drunk. But the third thing is, is it intersects with all races and classes and all this stuff, is the Christian obsession with persecution, right? I think that, uh, we'll talk about it, we're here. And (laughs) I I think that... (laughs) Like when we think about, let me rephrase, American Christians' obsession with persecution Mm -hmm. because there are Christians who get murdered and executed daily for their beliefs in the Middle East and things like that. But America, like the worst that things happen is the gay people get married and y'all are mad about Mm -hmm. it. Like it's like, it's not, it's not real persecution. Like you're not losing anything behind it unless you say something stupid. right? Right. And so I think that we, we read scripture and we see things like we need to die to ourselves. And there's this constant need to be in subjugation to feel like you're close to God, and like that's not where we're not supposed to be constantly beaten and stripped and and deprived of humanity or personhood to do that. When Jesus, do you remember the story of um, it was Mary and Martha? And I'm going to say it was Mary who was cooking. I, I might be getting the names mixed up, but Mary was cooking in the Bible and preparing this meal for Jesus, and Martha was just at Jesus's feet, like listening to him speak. Mm-hmm. And Martha was like, Jesus, tell her to help us or help me do this. She's just sitting there doing nothing. And he was like, no, she gets it. Like, she gets it. She doesn't have to do anything <laughs> to get what I've got. Right. Like, she's just doing the right thing Is staying at the feet of Jesus. And staying at my feet and listening to me is all you have to do. You don't have to do all this performative nonsense. He, Jesus also talks about the... Pharisees who wear the scriptures on their clothes and things like that to show off for other people. Look at how badly I sacrificed for my Lord and Savior. Am I not a good Christian? Like, did we not do all these things in Your name? And he's going to say, "Depart from me. I never knew you." Mm. That is where we're going to fall if we're not careful. And I think that's where it is. I think that's why people let themselves fall into these these positions uh, of pain and again, say like subjugation. And repression, where it's like, this feels wrong, it hurts, but it's got to be right because that's what I was taught being a good Christian feels like. But when you look at what Jesus talks about and what it looks like to come in, you know, Jesus, again, he said, I'll give you rest. Jesus says, anyone who comes to me will not be snatched out of my hand. Like all these things, like Jesus talks about... All this, this, this goodness and the joy, mm-hmm. like you know, like Jesus, like the the thing that always stuck to me when it when it came to getting out of the mindset right. of of being broken and beaten for the sake of of church is that I can't remember what book of the Bible it is, but it says for the joy that was set before him that Jesus endured the cross, right? And he, like, we know that he endured the cross because. Or so that we didn't have to Mm -hmm. we didn't have to go through that struggle. we didn't have to be beaten and broken and bled for our sins and for our crimes and so when I'm thinking about Jesus the joy set before Jesus was not heaven it was us Mm. right like we were that joy and so how are we the joy set before him if we're putting ourselves on a cross every day he says take up your cross and follow me it doesn't mean put yourself on it right And so, like, why are we crucifying ourselves every day to do what Jesus already did?
1: I agree with everything that you said, and you put it so beautifully. So, yes, absolutely. And I've probably talked about this on my show before, but I feel like a large part of, like, the struggle that we do experience or we did experience in church was meant to be um, a part of like our testimonies or our strengths today right because I feel like if there wasn't an area in my life to where I felt like the difference between church and like the school setting or church and the world uh, or if if there wasn't a place where like church and how I felt on my own like if I didn't have that that constant like question or that place to question like why do I feel this way here why do I feel this way here what are all these different feelings if I didn't have that like I don't know if I would even like be so see you know I wouldn't I don't know if I would know how to weed it out today you know like you said like I I know what to look for if I didn't experience it then I wouldn't know what to look for today and so like while I understand like a lot of it was some of it was good some of it was bad. I feel like it is all put in a, a sweet package today for me to like, you know what? I know what I need and I, and I trust that mm-hmm. I can trust what I know about me. You know, I feel like for I've always said this, especially as long as I've been doing my show, but I feel like the close, the close relationship with God is, you know, a close relationship with who you are. Cause I feel like that's where the first right. traces of God was put within you, you know, like, the stuff that we, we endured in life was supposed to help us, you know, get more familiar. And unfortunately for a lot of us, getting familiar involved those very rough patches of life or whatever. But we were still getting familiar. We still were. You know, it, it doesn't change that. And so I feel like when, to go through what I went through and to be where I am today, I was, you know, p- pulled pulled away from who I was meant to be. You know, for like as a kid, I was pulled away from that, you know, when I was like, oh, I was happy at church and I took it to school and they were like, no, girl, you know, like I was pulled away from it. It was <laughs> discouraged, but like I was reintroduced to it later to where it was safest, like no matter what the world or the school or the church said, you know, like I, ha- I had to come to that place where no matter what setting I was in, I was crystal, you know, and right. I feel like that experience what I experienced earlier like taught me that and got me there like nothing else could have. So it's like, while you are so like kind of shaking your fist at the same time, you understand why it was necessary. And and that's kind of why you kind of be like, but why? You know, like I feel like, you know, my mom, she probably could have a story about like what she did before she found God or whatever and what it took for her. Mm-hmm. And my story is like nothing like that. I'm like, oh mom, you went through a lot. I'm glad you made it, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then then me, I'm just like, but you know, I was raised in church and there was really nothing else, you know? But you still went through things. But that just means your life was different. You know? You didn't have you didn't have to go through like the roughest patches to get where you needed to be. You know, and I I think like that's why we do have the turmoil we do have in church in that setting where we're questioning the Christian or the people who are calling themselves Christian because we're going to get to the point one day where we're going to want to model the truth of what that Christianity looks like. That that was like our our goal, our purpose. Like we want to be there in its purest form. We don't want to act. We don't want to pretend. We want people to know it's okay to be who you are. And that's fine right. and it took that to yeah to get there
0: yeah one of the things I've been I've been talking to some friends about um, is one your, your past experiences are definitely a piece of who you are mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be something you shy away from and I think this is another another Christian trope is that again, kind of dying to yourself is that forgetting where you come from mm. like that doesn't matter anymore you're a new creation and I always remind people of the story of Jesus' resurrection. Like, how did Jesus identify himself to Thomas? By showing him where he's been. He showed him mm-hmm. his scars. He says, look at my hands. Look at my side. Like, right. I'm clearly the person that you think I am, right. right? And so it's like if your experience is a telltale sign and experience does something else, it it teaches you and it gives you something that's invaluable. gives you wisdom, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I think of all these things and you're right, like you go through these things and they are what makes you there. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't be able to identify things if you didn't know. And um, I'm a church boy, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ecclesiastes 10 um, talks about how a dull ax requires great strength. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, you need to sharpen the blade mm-hmm. and just like wisdom in that it helps you succeed. And so you do, you're doing a lot more work with a lot more effort and getting less done because you're not being wise about it. Mm-hmm. Right. So if, like learning how to navigate church and learning how to navigate terrible wicked people mm-hmm. will help you be better in doing the work of God. But thusly, I think in the next verse, I think it is, it says, if you get bitten by a snake before you charm it, is there any use in being a snake charmer? <laughs> So when I think, like, if church hurts you, there's that question of, is there is there a purpose in going back <laughs> and still trying to do the church thing?
1: I have a question, though. For some people, like, any variation of church, even if they are, you know, more progressive or whatever. Like, for me, like, I don't think church at all. Like, I don't think there's a church out there that I would feel not well. Not that I say I don't feel welcomed or whatever, but I don't. I I feel like it's not transactional to the point to where I don't feel like I have to go to a church to feel like I belong mm. to God. If if that if that makes sense to you, like I don't feel like that part is necessary. I don't hate church. I don't have anything against it. I just don't feel like it is necessary for me. And maybe that's just something. Um, I I, I want to say there is no hurt involved in that statement because i I feel like i have worked through most of it there's probably still a few more things i have to go through but i honestly feel that there is no church involved that that i need to go to in order for me to feel closer to god you know that that's just what i feel like you said you know you're supposed to be the church not you know you know like not act like you know not act like a church i feel like i am the church i feel like there is enough of all the lessons, you know, and I'm still learning for Mm -hmm. me not to feel like I have to be there because I feel like that idea for a long time, like why I would still always find myself needing to join a church was a part of the transaction, you know? And so it's like, not, not to discourage anyone from going to church. I just wanted to say like, it isn't necessary, especially, especially if you're still getting over things, you know, because sometimes Finding any church, even if it's a, you know, a, a better church than what you've experienced, it's still like picking a scab. Yeah. Um. Nothing, not really related to this conversation, but my mom ended up leaving the church that I was raised in. And and for, for her to have experienced what, like, I experienced, but on a different level, and, like, for her to be advocating for them for so long, you know, even knowing, like, mom, you were hurt. They hurt me. They hurt your other daughter. They hurt your sister. They hurt your cousin, your brother. You know, they hurt everybody. Like, why are y'all still taking up for that idea? And then eventually, like, she found it in herself to no longer attach herself to that. And to experience that for your parent that you felt like was, like, too set in a way to see it. You know? It's like, (sighs) you know, like, eventually, eventually everybody sees that this is not how God feels. This is not what love feels like. This is not what the relationship has to be or needs to be. If if church in any way, form or fashion is like a burden to you, I, I would challenge the person to do some soul searching outside of that because that might be necessary for them to get rid of the pain or at least heal enough so they can go face the pain and it not actually be pain anymore.
0: I don't think Jesus intended the church to be a building or a hierarchy or organizational chart of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you could tell by the way he was living his life. Not once did he ever put a foundation down on a building. You know, right. you remember on this rock, I'll build my church. He was talking about Peter,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like a person, like this is going to be my church. And so it's like, it's not, uh, he was, you know, I'll tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. You know what he was meaning, but it was, it was also an analogy. Right. Like this building means nothing okay. because I'm the way and the truth and mm-hmm. the light no man comes to the Father but by me. He didn't say no man comes to the Father but by, you know, holy Episcopal, church on the mountain, come up with the rough side of the hill, right. Baptist Zion. Like, he didn't say that. <laughs> he did. He was like, I I'm the way. That's it. Like, and like, you are going to be my church. Go out and make disciples. You know, mm-hmm. go out and do that. Like, love people in the way that I've loved you. And by this, they'll know that you're my disciples. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he didn't say go build things. He just said go love people. Go love on them. Show them what I've shown you. I feel like the little the little hoeish woman, the Sumerian woman at the well.
1: I can't. Um,
0: <laughs> once she met Jesus, she went back and told all the dudes she knew. The Bible talks that she said she went and told all the men about the man she met at the well. She was like, let me tell you about this real man. I thirst no more, uh, okay? Listen. That, <laughs> right. Right exactly (laughs) and so like when you when you but when you have that encounter with jesus there's nobody like him anywhere you can't just lose that because you left a building okay that's how you have to feel it's like i need to tell someone about Mm -hmm. this this is true like i need to be like i this is so it's just it's just amazing like that you can meet someone and there are people huge expanses of populations of people who would tell you that if you're not in a place Where you give 10% of your tithe, which is not biblical either, 10% is not a biblical number, but where you don't give 10% of your your income weekly to this place, you're not going to know Jesus the right way. If you're not straight or married, you're not going to know Jesus the way you need to. If you're not this, you're not going to know Jesus the way you need to then you don't know the Jesus that the Bible talks about. Cause that Jesus is dope. And that Jesus would have been everywhere. You don't think Jesus would be in the crack house? Cause he would be.
1: Okay. Listen, I, I, that is, that is the real, that is the realest thing. But like, how do you allow people to get there? You know? Like, Cause I feel like we, we got here the way we got here. Right. And so like, maybe Everybody will end up where, you know, like to at this point to where they see and find their connection and they they meet, you know, the loving God. Right. And not the, you know, the one that they're being sold. Right. So it's like, how do they get there? And how do you because I feel like this is kind of like where people like me and you can end up just like the church is like when we don't maybe understand how everybody journeys differ. Right. So like I told you, my mom, she left the church as well you know 20 years after me she, she'd been there for 40 years you know but she she left it right <laughs> and you know we, she had you know long stopped talking about like the goings on at the church because she didn't want to influence me negatively not realizing like mama there's nothing you can say good or bad about their place making me do anything different than what i'm doing okay so it's like i have made my decisions <laughs> outside of your experience i've made them based on mine or whatever but it's like she had to get there her own way there was no persuading i could have done like, mom, is not good for you. Family is not good for you. Friend is not good for you. Just like, you know, with basic basic relationships, you can't tell people what they need to do. People have to experience for themselves and decide for themselves. And it's just like, one day, I feel like the connection that they have with God, with themselves, it will jolt them into the reality. Like, this this thing that you're practicing, this religion, is, is not going to get you where you're trying to be or where you think you need to be or where, you know, where you're, where your desire is this, this practice is not that right. And it's like, until you, I guess until you, I don't know, like, this is where I feel like there's two definitions of woke, you know, there's the woke that we say on Twitter or whatever. And then there's this woke and stuff like in the spirituality. And it's like, sometimes I feel like we're so disconnected and sleep, maybe, you know, lifeless in a sense Mm. to where we don't realize the connection that we're longing for. Hasn't been there. We haven't experienced it. We've been practicing all this time hoping, trying to pretend and you know, getting approval for others, but we haven't experienced it for ourselves. And when you do experience it for yourself, like uh who was that you just spoke about the woman? What was
0: her? Uh, the Samaritan, she doesn't have a name. The, the, but the Samaritan, Samaritan at the well. Woman at the
1: yeah, world. like once you have that connection. Then you can actually run and tell everybody about it and you'll feel like, you know, Charnel and right. me, you know, you'll have cause you actually experience that connection and you feel the love and you feel the energy and you feel the joy and you feel the aliveness and you feel like why this is unique to you, why you have to be everything that you are, you know? Mm. It's like that's when you that's when it that's when it comes alive. And it's like how I don't I can't tell you how to get here. You know, and that's why I wouldn't want to be a pastor or preacher. Cause I'm like, I can't tell you how to get here. All I could tell you, the best advice I can give you is to be you. <laughs> be you. Be you. Be you. Be every aspect of you. Be that.
0: I I fully agree. I the I, I don't give anyone advice as to how to how to get into the right place um for themselves. What I always say is if you're looking to get close to God, go to places where you know you where you usually would find him. You need to go and be in a Bible study because you find Jesus right. most in the Word. Then read the Scripture. Right. But I would say read it for yourself, mm-hmm. experience God for yourself. Don't wait to experience the God that Crystal and Charnell are talking mm-hmm. about. Because I said it before, like God is not going to be all things to all people all the time. Some people will never know God as a mm-hmm. healer. It's just it's just going to be what it is. He's some people have been rich most of their lives and will never know God as a real provider because they've never been without. Mm-hmm. They just know they've always had and you know so like sometimes you'd be like oh yeah he provides but do you believe that because you've never been concerned about having nothing
1: mm.
0: you know so like that you're never gonna like ne- no one's ever gonna experience god the way you can right and so just can't nobody like if you can't tell it let me tell it type vibe so i would just say that just look for god in the places where you experience Him and stay in those places and revisit those places God is constantly moving and growing, but He'll always meet you where you know where, you, where you're looking.
1: Oh, for. I know you remember the one. Right I know now. you remember the one. Uh, God, God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. I know you remember that. And forevermore, I know oh, you yeah. remember that. And 100%. and, and I mean, people used to say, "Well, every time you you just said like God is doing a new thing or whatever," I'm like, "No, no, 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 no. God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore." I'm like, "Well, He's God. He don't got to change. But you need to. <laughs> you should." <laughs> <often>. <laughs>
0: And that's that's the thing too. I think that it's funny because people will use that for a lot of mm-hmm. reasons, like, this doesn't change. No, God is the same. But I but I think it's the character mm-hmm. of God that stays the right. same. God will do a new thing. Right. Because God has to, because the people who he's governing have changed mm-hmm. since the times of Jesus walking the mm-hmm. earth. Like there's no way that G- that God would use the time where people were drinking wine to clean their palate and washing their feet in dirty water and not having antibacterial soaps to then judge 2020 and be like, well, if you guys aren't walking around in togas with no draws on, you're doing it wrong. Like, I think the character of God is that he is a comforter. Like I said, he's mm-hmm. a provider. He's a healer. He's a way maker. Mm-hmm. He's all these things. Those are all the things that he is. Those qualities never change. Right. He is a, he's a shelter in, in the, or a port in the storm. All these things that people would describe him as. Right. Like, he is all those things. But the way God shows up to be all those things for you is going to look different where you are. Right. And so, yeah, God will do a new thing. You know, his word's not going to return void. So if he no. says, I'm doing a new thing in you, yeah. it's got to look different. It's got to feel different. Right. And if you go back to the old things, that's why Jesus showed up is that I feel like the church has gotten so stuck in its ways. It reminds me of like the, the Jewish, mm-hmm. like the Pharisees, Yeah. where it's like where everyone was so stuck up in what the scriptures say. And Jesus would look them in the face and like he would use scripture to defeat scripture in the way that they were using it. He right. would say, Yeah, you had read this. But so I tell you, you know, he's like, yeah, you have heard it said, but yet I tell you right?" like, he's like, there's a new way that I'm doing things. In the old Testament, God showed up in burning bushes and pillars of fire in the Mm -hmm. sky and seas being split. Mm -hmm. But then you know what didn't happen in the new Testament that right? like that stuff stopped happening. But see, that's the thing. But
1: that's the thing. New things. That's (laughs) the thing. People are, they get caught up in what they want it to look like, what they're used to it looking like, and, and they don't wanna see it look different. They don't want it to change. And even them and, and them saying that God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, that's them saying that they get to be stuck in that way and, and not have to change. And this is all God is gonna do for me. And that's why and he ain't got nothing he ain't got do nothing else actually, because I don't want them to, because <laughs> this is what I want it to be. But it's just like, that is that. And I feel like that's not faith. And that's what I say all the time. If you're just rehearsing what you've been doing, that's not faith. It doesn't take faith to do what you've been doing. That faith is not required for that. Right. That's just rehearsal, your religion, your regimen, all of that, all of the same. That's all that is. But In order to exercise faith, you are growing. You are changing. You are evolving. There are differences. There are things that you have to accept that you probably couldn't wrap your mind around before. And that is something I would pray about also. Like, honestly, when there's something that you are, you know, you, you notice that it's something new and you're uncomfortable with it, that's when you pray, God, if this is for me, give me an understanding. Give me the, you know, the encouragement to pursue this idea. You know, give me reasons to why. Give me the confirmation. Give me the validation. This is something that I should be spending time with. You know, instead of like, uh, uh-uh, uh, I don't trust it. Other way, <laughs> here I go. You know, because I feel like that's how people think. Like, mm, this ain't God, no, because it's unfamiliar. But that don't mean it's not God, because, because you, because honestly, I feel like the growth of it. It is scary when you come to new places, you know, it is very scary. It's unfamiliar. You don't know what it is, but that's how you practice faith. And, you know, you probably know the scripture better than me because I love to say this. Uh, this is like where Peter's walking on water, right? And he mm-hmm. and God calls him out to him I to me that I know it can mean it, it means what it means. It says what it says in the Bible for but for me, the walking <laughs> on water aspect was where the faith was practiced, right? You're walking on water. You're walking on things that you don't walk on. You're doing something so unreal, so different. This is not leveled ground, right? right? And so when you're getting closer to Jesus, you're literally doing things so different, so unorthodox, so out of the norm to get closer to God and to get to the extent of your faith to where you are saying, okay, I trusted God through this miracle, through this impossible you know that that's how you know you're getting closer because you're just like oh my god (laughs) you know like there's no way i should have been able to do that nine years ago yeah i don't know what i was going through like you just said there was no way i should have been able to do that you know there's no way like that's how i feel like when you're doing things that you wouldn't have been able to do otherwise when you are you're finding yourselves in yourself in positions that you just like god how did i get here i trusted you all the way you're exercising your faith and i feel like the faith is not needed to do what you've been doing isn't
0: right that's not faith that's familiarity yes. so it's like you've got to you've definitely got to step outside of it mm-hmm. and i and i think that one of the things that's funny because the church folks will jump to the bible and use specific passages mm-hmm. to be what they lean on but if you look at the overarching context of the bible yes um i can't remember what the name of this like it's a hermeneutic but people it's like a trajectory or hermeneutic or whatever the word is for it. People are like, well, if you look at a specific issue and how over the course of the Bible it's being talked about, then you could just imagine that you could be softer on an issue or more stringent on an issue mm-hmm. or something. But when I look at the Bible and I'm looking at the stories of the people who are involved, nobody got what they needed or got to a, a deeper level in their relationship with God by doing what they'd always been doing. Mm. And if the promises of God are yes and amen, then you know that, that God is all these things, if I step out into this new thing, I'm gonna be taken care of I'm gonna be covered, and why not do that? Why not love a little bit harder, believe a little bit harder, step out on faith like you the water thing was the exact same thing that came to my mind when you were talking about faith, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, like it's those little things, but it's even the other side of this where like I remember when it's when Jesus is actually it's just when Jesus is crucified, and like Peter and them go back to fishing mm-hmm. It's like when you go, Have you ever been to a Bible camp and, or like a, a retreat and like that week you feel so close to God, everyone's jumping and everyone's mm-hmm. loving on each other. And then you go back to what you know, and it's business as usual. Right. You know, like they were riding the high of Jesus for years
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he gets crucified and they just go back to what they were doing before. <laughs> like what? And then I remember they weren't catching any fish and then Jesus is on the shore and they don't know it's Jesus. But they're like, hey, try throwing your net on the other side. And these are trained, experienced fishermen who have been fishing their entire lives. Right. And they're like, if there's no fish on the left side, there's not going to be any fish on the right side. Logic will tell but you. But it was the faith. <laughs> right. But the faith is someone said, throw it on the other side. So I'm going to do it. Even mm-hmm. if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to do it. Can't and then they caught so many fish, they couldn't hold them. You know? So right. it's like, What? like it's right you know it's like if you knew what i knew about what he could do you wouldn't be you wouldn't want to stay where
1: you You are you wouldn't be so
0: rigid like you wouldn't want to stay you wouldn't be so yeah you wouldn't be so rigid in your thinking and your belief you would believe that god really can do all things and that one in philippians 4 that you can do all things Mm -hmm. you know through christ who strengthens You you know You know, and that you can defeat all. all, Like you, the scripture tells you. The scripture that you adhere to, that you that you champion, tells you that you have the authority and the and the power behind you to step out and do new things. Whether it be to win new souls to the kingdom, or whether it not to be to experience deeper levels of God's love, you can do all that. But don't deny yourself that because everyone else ain't doing it. Absolutely. So uh, we've been talking for almost two hours, Mm -hmm. um, three, if you count the off mic time. Um, But it's because I appreciate you. I think we have like these really provocative uh, and somewhat inflammatory conversations because I enjoy those. (laughs) I am I am combative and confrontational as all hell. So it is just one of those. It's just who I am. I think it's who you are. That's why we get along. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) um, But if you want to I don't know if I thanked you, but thank you thank you for coming thank you for sharing thanks for talking laughing well um
1: absolutely thank you for having me thank you i i love the uh the platform before this before the rebranding i love this one i'm just i'm really proud of what you do (laughs) i I love how you know you can just put on the podcast hats and go for what you know i believe in it um i love it and you know it's it's amazing so thank you for having me very glad and happy to do this good god we talk a lot and <laughs> and it's so fun it's so fun i know when i get off the, get off the mic my husband be like really really anyway but yeah it's, it's all good you gotta think you're cheating nah he already know nah, already <laughs> know. like i had I already sent him the text because every time i spring up a, a podcast recording with him like that's all made up and i'm like look i've been talking about this since saturday i just be forgetting to tell you when i'm gonna record anyway that is neither here <laughs> nor there. I just forgot to talk. But we be talking. So, yeah, it's fun. It's a great time. And it's just, it's refreshing for me. And I hope the listeners are getting something great from it as well. And I just, I enjoyed myself. And I enjoyed our conversation. Oh, and... I'm Crystal Clear, and you can find me on SoundCloud or wherever you listen to your podcast. Crystal Clear the Podcast. Crystal is spelled C-H-R-I-S-T, like Christ, (laughs) A-L. Come on, plug. Okay, Crystal Clear the Podcast. Don't do that. (laughs) Thank you for having me.
0: No, thank you for being you and thank you for being awesome. Thank you. The little catchphrase I've been saying the last like eight months of, um, uh, eight months of like my last, I can't talk, my life. (laughs) I've been saying my life, it's late. That's why I can't think anymore. I've used up all my brain cells for the day. (laughs) Um, is that, you know, I love who you are, what you are, and why you are, right? Like, I love all those things about you. Um, and every time we chat, I learn a little bit more. So it's always fun. So we have to stay in touch. Uh, definitely. We're used to.
1: Definitely. Definitely. Um,
0: yeah. But one of the things I do have to, I realize in every other episode I've done, I've never signed off with my own social medias, Okay, which is weird. Uh, so sit quietly while I do this, but I... <laughs> I got you. Uh, you can find me, Charnel, the host of I'm praying for y'all. This awesome show. Um, on instagram and twitter and sometimes snapchat it's at Charnel b i'll put it in the show notes um you can find the show uh, instagram it's at praying for y'all podcast on twitter at praying for y'all uh find us there follow us um follow me i'm a good follow it's a good time it's it's gonna be a mess you'll laugh but you'll also be encouraged i hope um but yeah crystal thank you thank you so much for for joining me and until next time take care of yourself uh feel free to say goodbye to all the tens of people (laughs)
1: i'm praying for (laughs) y'all Bye.
0: thank you so much for listening i hope this blessed you know that i love who you are what you are and why you are and god does too so until next time i'm praying for (laughs) y'all for real